Welcome to episode two of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. I'm Miles Ehrlich, here always with Owen Pence. What is up, everyone? Great to talk to you again, Owen. We've got a super, super exciting guest lined up for y'all. But first, I want to take a moment to thank those listeners for tapping in and coming through strong with the downloads of our trailer. First that, and then episode one with the Liberty's Kayla Thornton. Um, Shout out to the international listeners, too. We see you in Canada and France and Australia. We appreciate all the love. Uh, Last week, we hit you with a player, but we pivot today. In this episode, Owen and I are bringing through one of our favorite friends in W Media, the amazing, charismatic, incomparable Tarika Foster Brasby. Tarika is most notably known as the co-host of ESPN's WNBA show Around the Rim, alongside acclaimed women's basketball analyst LaChina Robinson. She's also a regular analyst on ESPN's digital baseball show, BBTN Live, and has appeared on ESPN's WNBA Hoop Streams. While the WNBA and NCAA W are her passions, she's also covered the NBA, NFL, and NCAA men's basketball as well. You can find her bylines with ESPN W, Anscape, The New York Times, Fan Sided, and W Slam Magazine. She's also one of the most loyal friends you can ever find. And while it's not in her professional bio that she gave us, Tarika's most impressive and most relatable skill is that she can chug a beer while at a brisk jog from one end of a stadium parking lot to the front gate. So with that, welcome to the show, T, and thanks for pulling up with us today. First off, I don't know who that person is you guys described. She sounds so (laughs) awesome. Um, (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited for your podcast. This is great. I, I, I just, okay. Already we're, we're, we've got, you know, awkward vibes on the, on the intro. I'm just popping in randomly (laughs) wild cards, but thank you so much for, for pulling up. We're really excited. So basically I had this idea. We knew that we wanted T to be one of our opening guests because we're always talking, you know, every day. Um, And I thought, okay, WNBA free agency has been ridiculous, has been wild what is a way that we could just kind of chop it up and discuss everything that's been going on? And what I came up with is uh, a little, you know, 12 rapid fire questions, one per team. So we're just going to hit you with, uh, with each team and just kind of get your take on what's been going on. Sweet. That works for me. Yeah. No time for whiplash. We're just going to go one (laughs) team into the next. So we're going to start alphabetical there's no bias here or at least we try not to have any so we're going to start with the atlanta dream uh the dream came within a game within a quarter really of making the postseason in tanisha wright's first year as head coach Uh, the turnaround from where they were just a year prior both on court and culture wise is astounding and i'd argue that they surprised themselves with how quickly that shift came but all that being said they dealt away a lottery pick to bring in alicia gray who has already stated her intentions to test free agency in a year's time. Do you think Atlanta is too quick to push assets aside in an effort to win now? Or do you like what this aggressiveness says, both to that locker room and also to that city? Yeah, I actually love the aggressiveness of um, of Atlanta um, for a number of reasons, but most notably because I feel like sometimes you get teams that are really young and um, they're scared. They're scared to take risks. Right. And so I think this says that this Atlanta team, and I think Tanisha Wright, um, especially off of a, a coach of the year um, effort, I think we all believe that she um, put up the best effort um, that you could think in terms of taking a team that had no real identity, taking a team that um, really didn't have a ton of support in terms of um, buy in from the year before moving into now. Um, I think she did a hell of a job of, do- of doing that. And so this showed that she was willing to take a risk. Um, and I and I love that about Atlanta. This again, as you mentioned, they were only a game away from from making the postseason. And I think the way that that team started, I mean, they had 12 wins on the season, I believe, which were well over um, the expectation of that team. They truly believe that they were a playoff team. Um, and so I think this just reinforces that belief for them. And I think it reinforces the fact that this is a coach that believes in them and that's going to have their back. So I like the move with Alicia Gray, even if she does test free agency. Um, in the following year, she's the kind of player that's going to put her all on the court at least this year. And I think that's going to be enough. I totally agree. And I think it's like a it's like betting on the the new culture of the Atlanta dream. It's like, all right, we're going to mm-hmm. bring this player in. We're going to be competitive. And then we trust the fact that you're going to want to stick around because we really believe in what we're building. And that's pretty cool, because considering where Atlanta was two years ago, 
uh, a pretty remarkable turnaround. So Tanisha deserves all the credit. Yeah, she does. One down, 11 to go. Boom. Keeping it moving on to the Chicago sky. Quick recap. All right. Because we know we got the diehards, but we also want to, you know, bring fans in. So people might not know what's happened in Chicago skyland the last handful of years. So 20, before the 2021 season, Chicago signs Candace Parker, future Hall of Famer, legend. Uh, they go 16-16 and 16 that season. Then get healthy in the playoffs, catch fire. Kalia Copper cements herself as the superstar that she is. Uh, and Chicago wins its first ever franchise title. All right, fast forward. Next offseason, they somehow retain their core and add Emma Mieseman, a former Finals MVP. Uh, and have a very successful regular season, uh, make the playoffs, beat New York. They come within one game of returning to the finals before Dewana Bonner gives a legendary inspirational speech and gets the sun going. Connecticut comes back, they beat Chicago, go on to the finals. All right, so that brings us to this offseason. General manager, head coach James Wade has a lot a lot of decisions to make out are Candace Parker to the aces, Courtney Vandersloot, legendary point guard to New York, Allie Quigley, not playing Azare Stevens, one of the up and coming all-stars in this league to Los Angeles in Izzy Harrison, Courtney Williams, Marina Mabry, Alana Smith, which finally brings me to my question. James Wade, I've said countless times, one of the best GMs and coaches in this league. But my question, is he panicking or is he just doing the best with what he has right now? I'm definitely going to go with doing the best with what he has. You know, there's a reason that there aren't too many uh, GM coaches in the league anymore. I think the last few that we've seen was, you know, the Cheryl Reeves, the Kurt Millers. Um, there's a reason that they aren't that there aren't too many. Um, and I think one of the things that makes it difficult being a GM and a head coach is your responsibility as a GM is to build a team that you think is going to be competitive and going to be competitive for many years. Your responsibility as a coach is to win. That does not always go hand in hand. Sometimes forfeiting the ability to win is required in order to build a team for the future um, and vice versa. And so I think that James Wade honestly has to have to deal with that this year. He lost basically your entire starting five. And I do believe that he has some pieces there that are going to be able to maintain some form of competitiveness for Chicago. I think Rebecca Gardner is amazing and she's going to really have an opportunity to shine. I want to see what Dana Evans is going to be able to bring to the table now that she has an ability to, to, to play more minutes and start more. She did a great job, I think, when she was given the opportunity in the playoffs last season. So I love to see that from her. These players are under 30. Izzy is definitely someone who is still playing AU. She played, you know, I think, what, she was averaging 17 or 18 minutes after her injury in Dallas. So she's going to give you quality time. Um, so I think they have enough to be competitive. Courtney Williams is definitely no scrub. Bringing her in to play uh, the two position most likely. It, you know, I think those are now. Now it's going to be interesting to see how her and Kalia play together. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're friends in real life, but we love seeing the drama in the postseason last year, right, between those two. So I think James Wade did the best with what he had given who was available in free agency. But this certainly isn't. Um, as currently constructed without seeing them play together, I don't think that they are a contender team anymore. I um, was on that that Team USA Zoom last week, and, and Kalia Copper came on and spoke to us. And I think it was Annie Costable she was answering a question in response to, where she said that she is now the assistant GM on this team. That that now that James Wade now James Wade has her. And mm -hmm. keeping her happy is going to be really, really important because yep. that's their future now. Agreed. I also think, too, I, I love everything you said. And, and I think that the point about James Wade being the final, you know, dual hat wearing head coach GM is really important because as recently as a few years ago, half the teams in the league had the same person, you know, as head coach and general manager. And under this new CBA, it's really difficult to be a GM in this league. And I do think that people have been a little, you know, maybe unrealistic or, or there's a lack of under uh, of understanding when it comes to how we talk about James Wade. I'm like, what he did the last few years was brilliant. 
was remarkable. Yeah. And now what he's doing is he is saying, hey, Ka, you are the centerpiece. We want to keep you here. We are committed to you. We're not going to tank or do anything like this. We want to continue to win and put competitive basketball teams out on the floor. And I really respect that. So I'm excited to see. Also, from a a selfish standpoint, this is the spiciest backcourt in the league. Hands down. I cannot wait to see Ka. Period. Right? Come on. It's going to be great. And realistically... How big did people think the window was when they brought in Candace Parker in front of 2021, right? Like they brought her in to win a championship right then. They went out, they did it, they retooled. It's not easy to repeat in this league. No one's done it in two decades. So to put together such a competitive roster, they had they were tied with the Aces for the best regular season record last year. That that was a success. That is a huge success. And you can look at maybe what, 10 other franchises that would happily trade places with what Chicago got the last two years. And I think to even add to that point, I think that's what made what happened in terms of seeing these players leave. I mean, granted, players are going to do what's best for them, but I think that that is what made this such a shock because at no point did you feel like this wasn't a team that could get right back to the finals in 2023. You felt like this was a team that was ready to go for it again and see what could happen. And, you know, I know what the dynamic shift of, of other teams in the Eastern Conference, which we'll talk about, but I felt like this was a Chicago team that would really be able to contend at least one more time. And for whatever reason, um, I don't think I've ever seen in this league where literally an entire starting five, a starting five of stars, um, have decided to walk away. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. this, I think, is a perfect opportunity to transition to your team, uh, which is a team that both <laughs> made the finals last year, but also has a fan base that would probably trade places with Chicago these last couple of years, even with the success, because they never quite got over the hump. So the Connecticut Sun, even after losing John Quill Jones this offseason, the Sun have pivoted admirably. They added Tiffany Hayes, Beck Allen, Ty Harris, and Olivia Nelson Adota, who are just formidable all-around players that should mesh well with the with the breezy AT Dewana core that's still in place. So do the Sun with this roster construction have enough complementary firepower to be a top four team in 2023. You know, before the Tiffany Hayes um, addition, I would have said top four, no. All biasness aside, you know, of course we're the best team in the league, but no, all biasness aside, I would have, I would have given this team a five or six seed um, in the, in the, in the East or in, in general, in the league. Um, but the addition of Tiffany Hayes and then the official re-signing of Breezy, because, you know, here's the reality. The reality is, yeah, they were, you know, they had her and the point was to center around her, but she still very much could have said, you know what, yeah, you court me, but I don't really want to be here given everyone's leaving, could have tried to force a trade. So signing her and officially having her on a roster is a big deal. Um, but I do think now with the addition of Tiffany Hayes, um, that sh- that this could be a top four team in the league. And, you know, here's why. This was brought up um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was honestly something that I had forgotten about. In 2020, when this Connecticut team was in the bubble, I don't think anyone expected them to do much of anything. They started off that season like one in seven. Um, there was no JJ because JJ sat out. It was literally only Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner and Breezy that moved that team all the way to the semifinals to push a game five against the Aces. And this was a team who had Alyssa Thomas who practically broke her out, broke her arm. Um, like in the in, in game four of that series and weren't expecting her to play. And she did come out in game five, which just is to the toughness of Alyssa. But I say all that to say that we've seen this team without JJ before. We've seen Brianna Jones have to step up and be the focal point before. We've seen Alyssa Thomas have to lead a team like this before, and they've done it successfully. So I think with Stephanie White at head coach, she's someone who certainly knows how to get the most out of the least. Um, and the addition of Tiffany Hayes and her leadership and her ability to, to create spacing on the floor. Like, I love that. And I think that that changes the dynamic of how we'll look at this team. I will be interested to see how they utilize Natasha Heidemann alongside with Ty Harris. Tish did a great job last year of having to fill in for Jasmine, who was out with an ACL injury. And so that really showed maturity in her game. She really got confidence with her shooting. Um, so I'm very curious to see how Stephanie wants to utilize her and tie together. But other than that, 
Yeah, I'm going to say they top four. I totally agree with everything Tariq is saying. I'm super high on the sun. Um, and I really love all the moves they've made. I think, like, as you were saying, the, the you know, the AT, Bree Jones kind of core, that's worked before. Dewana, like, they they had too many players in the front court this year. So I love love the Tiffany Hayes signing. Really love everything they've done this, this offseason. We're going to move on to a more divisive team, perhaps, although the Connecticut Sun can be divisive in WNBA circles, but perhaps the most divisive team, uh, the Dallas Wings. So the Wings have actually netted a pretty impressive haul of draft picks, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who follows the W. Greg Bibb loves his draft picks. Uh, they got two first rounders for Alicia Gray, including a top three pick this year, a whole host of picks from Chicago in the Marina Mabry sign and trade. Also added Natasha Howard, Diamond to Shields, re-signed Tierra McCowan. Lot of movement in Dallas. So my question, would we be praising this offseason if the wings weren't the wings? And do you like what Dallas is doing? I would still not be praising this offseason if the wings weren't the wings. And I think the biggest question for me with the wings is just simply like, who are they? Like, even when I look at this team as it's currently constructed, I still don't know what the identity of this team is going to be. And maybe that's something that Coach Tremell will, you know, help to identify as we get further along into the season. But I'm still not sold, even with the pieces that they currently have, that I can say, well, this is shaping up to be a pretty defensive heavy team, or this is going to be a team that's going to be catered and, you know, to around shooting or like, I don't know what the identity of this team is. And I don't think the moves that they made have helped me figure that out at all. I'm also concerned about the buy-in, right? This team has really been um, struggling with getting buy-in from its younger players, with the exception of maybe Enrique Ngumuwale, whom you can say that this is her team. And she lost her best friend in Marina Mabry, right? So now I'm wondering about the buy-in. Natasha Howard didn't seem excited about going there. Diamond DeShields didn't seem excited about going there. So not only do you have to find an identity for this team, but you got to make sure that these star players are bought into whatever it is that Coach Tramell is going to be selling. So I don't think that this team, you know, can can as currently constructed receive a lot of praise from me just yet. That doesn't mean that it isn't a talented team. Um, It doesn't mean that this team, you know, this was a team again that made it to the postseason last year. Right. They were in that first round. And it's not to say that can't happen again, but it's going to have to happen in a much different way than it did previously. Um, and and I just think that there needs to be at this point with all of these draft picks that they're continuing to get, we've got to start to see progress in terms of identifying who this Dallas wing team is. And I just don't think we're there yet. And I think for me, at least when you talk specifically about bringing in Tosh Howard and bringing in diamond to shields, those are two players that have won championships before. And on one hand, you could look at it like they're trying to add this championship pedigree to Dallas. But when you talk about the frustration that they're showing, are they players at this point in their career that want to be on winners, that know what it's like to be in a winning locker room? And is there maybe going to be some hesitation to the buy-in like you've referred to already based on just what their expectations are at this point in their careers? Yeah, I would I would, I would, would totally agree with that. Um especially when it comes to Natasha Howard. I mean, I think Natasha Howard is such a phenomenal player and really has the ability to shift your entire team. Um, but she has to be 100% in and wanting to be there. And I think she'll get there, honestly. But it's just a little difficult to see at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, let's transition from a team that also looks like they haven't had it together for a long time, but I think might be on the up, finally. This is a new era of Indiana Fever basketball. Yes, this team hasn't finished with a winning record since the Obama administration, but we saw some positive strides last season. They added some rotation-ready talent in last year's draft, and sure, they had a half dozen picks, So we, but we just finished talking about Dallas, and we've seen some franchises do less with more and in terms of draft picks. And this year, they're primed to pick Aaliyah Boston, barring something unforeseen or catastrophic. The Fever are also returning Erica Wheeler to recreate a dynamic backcourt pairing alongside Kelsey Mitchell. And this roster is just fun. So, okay, they're probably not winning the title in 2023, but I'll put you on the spot. Can this Indiana Fever team make the top eight this year? 
yes. I do think that this Indiana Fever team can make the top eight this year. Um, and I love the addition of bringing Erica Wheeler back. That That is someone who literally understands what it means to like get it from the bottom because this is an undrafted player who had literally worked her way up to being a, an all-star, worked her way up to uh, being a premier player. And that's something that Indiana needs. Um, on top of that, I love the fact that, you know, Nalissa Smith basically said last year, you know what, I felt like I got looked over because of the team that I played for. And I think a lot of us would agree with that. Not that we don't believe that Ryan Howard truly was the rookie of the year, but just that I do feel like Nalissa Smith didn't get all the just dessert that she deserved because she played for an Indiana Fever team that was below 500 and that was struggling at times. But when you looked at those games, when you looked at, you know, how Emily Engsler, uh, you know, played big inside in big moments, when you look at how Nalissa Smith was able to take over the team, I wanted to see more of Destiny Henderson last year, but when we did get an opportunity to see her, um, I, I just love the, the fire and the passion that they started to play with, especially after the coaching change. Um, so here we are again in a situation where they've got a high pick, They've got, you know, some pieces on their team that know their team. I think Kelsey Mitchell is a stud. Victoria Vivens certainly knows how to create spacing for, for herself on the floor. Like, this is a team that that really should be even a six or a seven seed, realistically. And with adding Aaliyah Boston, um, that to me automatically puts you in the top eight. I mean, I think Aaliyah Boston is ready right now. So for me, she 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 on her own merit is 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 what I think can force this team into the top eight. But just with the other talent that they have around them and how they're starting to build and gel as a young team, um, I, I think that they can listen. If first round is all that they can get, they can certainly do it. Okay. And and that may be all that they need, but um I think they're a top eight team for sure. I know that this is an audio medium, but I just want to let everyone listening know that as soon as you said Aaliyah Boston, I was watching a smile creep onto Owen's face and it was just getting larger and larger as we went. So he's ready. He's ready for this. I, I can't wait. I absolutely love it. I'm just, yeah, I'm just excited over here thinking about Aaliyah Boston and Melissa Smith playing together in like months. And yes, we need more Henny. We need more Henny. We gotta have more Henny, both of them. Yeah. Both Henny. Come on. You guys sound like J.R. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> if only I was wearing a J.R. Smith hoodie right now. Huh. Okay. Oh, Anyhow. Man. All right. We're moving on to one of the two teams that has been talked about uh, the most this offseason. So we're going to catch everyone up here if you haven't been following along. But the Las Vegas Aces have had a very eventful offseason to say the least. And I think Miles and, and my own goal for this podcast is to touch on some of the overarching issues facing the league and not just the positive, you know, easy stuff. So we're not going to tiptoe here. Um, to catch people up, Dierica Hamby was traded to the Sparks this offseason. She'd spent her whole career with Las Vegas and before Las Vegas, San Antonio, which is, you know, the same franchise they they moved. Um and Dierica is also pregnant with her second child. Uh, and in an Instagram post, uh, you know, about a month back now, she said she suffered traumatic events that occurred during the end of her time with the Aces, including being, quote, lied to, bullied, manipulated and discriminated against. Um, the league and the players union each have ongoing investigations regarding Hamby's allegations. Uh, so I have a two part question here. Firstly, you know, for, for people who might not be as into the league on a day-to-day -day basis, what does Dierica Hamby mean to this league and to the people in this league? And then I, secondly, what can we take away from how the aces in the league have handled this situation to date? Yeah. Well, first, you know, this is a really tough situation for a lot of the people involved. Um, so I want to make sure that that's like on the forefront because, as much as we talk about the marketing of our league and as much as we talk about, you know, wanting to, you know, place these women on the forefront, it's got to be, we've got to cover this the same way that we would cover any other sport and any other issue. And that's not easy. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy as a black woman to have to look at a front office that is ran by two black women. It is not easy um, to look at a league um, where a roster is majority black women 
and and phenomenal, you know, championship caliber, all-stars, MVPs type women and and say to yourself, you know, how much do you, or have to question, you know, how, how, what role did you guys play? Did you guys know about it? Are you guys keeping this kind of information secret? You know, are you covering for the front office? Have you reached out to Dierica? Have you, you know, tried to, you know, get a, a understanding? Are you going to stand up for her? These are all questions that, that you ask. And you ask these questions because Dierica Hamby has been a person and a player that has been so essential to the growth of this team. She's been a member of this team since this team was in San Antonio. She's never been someone who um, anyone has ever said that they've had issue with. She's never been someone with character flaws. So it, it, it it's difficult, you know, to understand why someone of her caliber would come out and make these allegations if they weren't true. Again, players get traded, right? And we get that. We understand that trades are part of the business, but there are certain things about this conversation that strike me as a little odd other than a typical trade. Number one, her saying that I was lied to and manipulated, like what were you told? And and, and the, the assumption here, again, this is, you know, under investigation, but one of the allegations that are being made is that she was traded um, because the Las Vegas Aces assumed that she knew that she was pregnant before she signed her extension and that, you know, that would be problematic if she knew that she was pregnant beforehand and um, wouldn't be able to play and in, in, in all this. And so the bigger thing to me is, number one, it's a it's it's a it's a smirk on Dierica's integrity to assume that she would intentionally do something that would not only jeopardize her career, but would put the Las Vegas Aces at a disadvantage when for the last two to three years, all she's ever done was put herself in a position to not only support this team, but help this team get to a point where it would win a championship, including playing in playoff games as a pregnant woman. So, like, how does that benefit her to lie about something that she's already naturally earned and deserved? She didn't need to lie about an extension. She didn't need to hide a pregnancy for an extension. Also, to keep this in mind that the CBA that was recently negotiated in 2020 um, includes certain rights and protections for players who are pregnant and for players who eventually get pregnant and will have to send out a season or uh, you know, miss time away. Like there are provisions for these kinds of things. And so it's just a very uh, difficult thing to assess all around because you want to believe Dierica, you want to believe the players. And as a player, you want to believe and have trust and faith in an organization that you've supported and basically given your career to. Um, but too often we come to find out that business is business, right? And it doesn't matter about the loyalty that you give, that loyalty isn't always given back to you. Um, and I just want anyone that's listening to really, you know, take a good look at Dierica and look at her track record and look at what she's done and how she's been as a player and understand that, you know, a player with a problem, someone who has routinely had attitude issues or someone who has routinely, you know, had, had teammates speak out about them, you know, maybe you could turn up your eye a little bit and say, well, let's question some things. But a player of De'Erica Hamby's caliber is not someone that you just instantly is going to call a liar or, going to, or, or someone that's going to put out these types of allegations if there were not some truth to them. So, you know, I hope that kind of answers the first question for you. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, I, I think that something that's really important to note here too is that De'Erica, even on the court, has built a resume as a selfless player. She's become an all-star as a sixth woman. She's constantly winning these six women of the year awards. She's put the team before herself. So to look at her character being besmirched, like you said, within that context of what has always been a, a city first kind of player, right? She is the, she was the consistent piece that carried over from that San Antonio franchise when they moved to Las Vegas. And she raised her daughter within that organization, within the bubble. So much of this, I think is, is just unfathomable from that perspective. And I know that we're also parsing and we kind of have to parse the, 
on court with the off court because you can look and say Las Vegas is is trying to be the first team, like we said, to win a championship in 20 years back to back. But there's just it's got to start with the human element first. And that's why this story rightly is rubbing so many people the wrong way. Something Dierica said in her introductory press conference with Los Angeles that really struck me was that she has really been marketed as the WNBA mom, so to speak. Her firstborn, Amaya, is all over WNBA socials. Um, and and so basically she was saying, if this can happen to me, this can happen to anyone. And I think that that really struck me um, and was really, it's really just sad, frankly, um, to, to think about this person who is just a person and a mom to be treated like this when she, as Tariqa said, has given nothing but her all to this organization for years and years and years. Even in the years when this was not a championship organization, they weren't even in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he was out here, you know, just giving everything. So it's a really disheartening situation. But I think Miles and I both really appreciate, you know, you for for uh, speaking on this. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say on this is that I really hope the league does the right thing. Um, I just really hope that the investigation is a true investigation that, you know, that the the people who need to speak up and say the right things at the right moment do that without fear of any type of repercussions, without fear of, you know, how does this affect the business? You know, we just need more people who truly have decision-making power and truly have the ability to right wrongs to follow through with them. So, you know, I know it's an open investigation. I know that Las Vegas isn't going to speak much on it, um, speak much on it. Um, Their response to it hasn't necessarily been the most favorable. Um, Even, you know, sometimes the uh, lack of response is all the response you needed. And for a very long time, it went unheard. Um, and unaddressed by by this organization. And then finally, when a statement was made, it was kind of, you know, one of those statements where you look at it and you look through it and you say, you know, PR could have did a better job with what they put out because this, this really wasn't it. This, this didn't hit the mark. Um, so I just hope the people who are, you know, handling this investigation and, and that the loop does the right thing with this. Absolutely. And I think alphabetically this works in our order. We can now transition from the Aces to her new team in the Los Angeles Sparks um, because it's been a really interesting offseason there. New head coach Kurt Miller has not wasted any time in overhauling the Sparks roster. This offseason alone, he's added a whole bunch of veterans, including the Erica Hamby, who we were just talking about, but Azrae Stevens, Jasmine Thomas, Steph Talbot, Leisha Clarendon, Assuming the Aguamake sisters return as we expect, what's the ceiling for that team now in 2023? You know what? I really like this team, that Connecticut, um, Connecticut. Hi, Kurt. Come on, Kurt. You know, Connecticut. <laughs> Connecticut I, West. Like, I know, right? This is the West version, right? But no, I absolutely love this team. Um, I one thing that I noticed in the um in the press conference where Jasmine Thomas um and Lexi Brown were introduced and 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 talked uh, very heavily about how they did not want to be considered rebuilding, and I think when I came into that press conference, I was like, "This is definitely a rebuild." Like, you know, this team wasn't really uh, on the radar of anything over the last couple of years with the changes that were made at head coach and you know the the way that Derek Fisher implemented, you know, how he ran his offense. Everything about the team was just really different and really off, right? But I think at the end of that conference, I walked away kind of reevaluating how I, you know, looked at them or branded them as a rebuild. Because in so many ways, you know, they're right, right? Like adding Elijah Clarendon to them is adding additional experience. Adding Jasmine Thomas is certainly adding a leader who has that championship pedigree, even though she doesn't have the actual championship rings. Uh, NECA, this is her team, and she's really for years been clamoring for people to be on her team as teammates who genuinely want to move the organization forward. And I feel like she's gotten that now. Um, Kurt Miller, he's definitely someone who has a way of resonating with players in a different type of perspective than others. He feels and relates to players a little different than some other coaches. Um, and I know from personal you know, observation 
that he does listen to players. And I think that that's going to be important for this team too, because it doesn't feel like this has been a team that has always felt heard by the people that have coached them and have always felt heard um, by the front office. And I think that they feel that now. Um, and another thing that really struck me about this team is that it's a team, you know, when you look at some of the pieces that they brought there, they all kind of have a chip on their shoulder, right? Yurika's going to have a chip on her shoulder based upon what's just happening right now and wants to prove that she's valuable, which she still is. Jasmine has a chip on her shoulder because she wants to, to prove to herself that her ACL injury was not one that was going to end her. Lexi once has a chip on her shoulder because she feels like, you know what, I've been tossed around and not given true opportunities to lead a team. And now this team took a, a, a bet and a chance on me to do that. And I, you know, I think she feels like this is her opportunity to arise from that. And so it just all the way around, you know, I, I just really feel like this is a team that is consistent. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a team that consistently has opportunities and doesn't capitalize on capitalize on them. This to me feels like they can finally capitalize on an opportunity to move. I don't know if this will be a champion. I mean, a, a playoff team or not. Uh, my heart kind of says that they could. Um, but I guess it really also depends on, you know, who else is, how other how other teams perform. But I kind of feel like this is a top eight team. And I feel like they're going to, you know, come down to the brink, at least in that seventh spot. Um, I, I, I just, I did have to reevaluate how I looked at them. And, you know, I don't see them as a rebuild as I initially thought coming into this offseason. I, I don't either. I, I could see them climbing as high as five, maybe. I'm really high on the Sparks roster. I love it. And I think all WNBA fans can agree that the league is better off if the Sparks are good. The The D-Fish era was was not super fun for, uh -uh. for the people involved. So I think um it's it's cool that this organization is trending upward once again. Um next up, and again, these the the alphabetical order is providing very the alphabetical order is tripping me out because I'm really sitting here thinking to myself, like, okay, who's next? Like, I know, I know, right? It's just, it, it could be totally random. Um, uh, but, okay, here we go. So the the Sparks, you know, uh, foe in 2016 and 2017, Cheryl Reeves, Minnesota Lynx, next up in the, in the alphabet here. Uh, Cheryl Reeves, no longer the general manager, only head coach now. Sylvia Fowles, one of the greatest centers to ever play the game, has retired. Should Lynx fans be concerned that their glory years have passed? Or is Nafisa Collier reason enough for hope and optimism? That's a tough one, because I do not think that their glory years have passed in the sense of them not ever being able to achieve a championship status again. But I do not think that that happens immediately. And I think that's something that Lynx fans will need to kind of come to terms with. Um, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit, too, when we get to the Spurs. Uh, I mean, not the Spurs, the Storm. Um, but very similarly, where when you have a player who has been so monumental to your franchise as you had with Sylvia Fowles, um, and you, in the same offseason, you see that Maya Moore is retired, not that you didn't kind of feel she wasn't coming back, but um, in the same offseason, you see that. Um, and you were nervous. I mean, I looked at Minnesota for a while in this offseason, and I was wondering, when all these moves are being made, what is Minnesota going to do? Who are they going to add to fill some gaps, right? And I still think, you know, a part of me still feels like Tina Charles might be making her way to minutes, even though I don't I don't know if Tina and Coach Reeves will get along long enough to, to be on a roster together. But I still feel like there's, you know, there's there's spots and there's gaps in in this Minnesota team that I don't know that Cheryl has found an answer for. But I do know that, you know, Nafisa Collier is certainly the kind of player who can be a franchise player. We've seen her do it in college. We saw pieces of it um, before she was out for, you know, having, having her beautiful baby. So I believe that Nafisa Collier can absolutely be that piece to lead this team to newer glory days. But I don't think that happens for at least another three to four years. That's not something that I can see being an immediate impact. And that might be difficult for Lynx fans to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. They've had so much success in the history of that franchise. And 
some other franchises have not enjoyed that same level of success. And people who live in other cities might say, tough, sometimes you have to rebuild every once in a while. Um, with a smooth transition there, let's talk about the New York Liberty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've seen it all on paper, okay? We've seen the all-star starting five that's going to set out to dethrone the aces. JJ, Stewie, Sloot, Sab, B. If all five of those come onto the court, they could end up at a push with Vegas's super team starting five of their own, right? Although in my eyes, I think depth might make all the difference in 2023. The second unit that the Liberty are going to be putting out there, especially if they could bring back Han Shu, if they've got Steph Dolson, Kayla Thornton, a backcourt that's got a mixture of Dee Dee Richards, Jocelyn Willoughby in there, um, Maureen Johannes when she comes over. There are a lot of options. Epiphany Prince just signed back there. So mm-hmm. while some of New York's reserves are still settling as the cap gets itself worked out, who is the role player that you believe can swing the title odds into the Liberty's favor? Okay, role player. Gosh, did you say Marine already? Yep, you could put her in there. That feels like the cop-out answer, but yeah, Marine. You could go with Marine. I feel like Marine, it's it's maybe because the cop-out answer is the right answer, right? I, I... I maybe this is me going out on a limb, but I feel like Marine could be a starter in at least three other places. Like she could be a starter in three other places. And that alone lets me know, like when you've got it going and when you are cooking, if Marine is also cooking, it's very difficult to beat you. It's very difficult to beat a Liberty team. And that was before they had the, you know, duo MVP of JJ and Brianna Stewart on their roster. And I don't consider Benajah Laney a role player. So I'm not even going to mention Benajah in this conversation, but Marine to me is the right answer. It's the only answer if we're being completely honest because of what she's able to do on a court, because of how she's able to create her own shot, because of how good she is from behind the arc. I mean, sis can literally light you up from almost anywhere on the court when it comes to her ability to, to shoot the long ball. I, I think that's important for this team, like being able to score. Um, they've definitely shored up defensively over the last year. So being able to score is going to be important for them. How many times did we see this Liberty team last season come down to the wire where it was literally a last shot away from, you know, winning a game or moving on or being the difference in a series? Um, we even saw that between, what was that? I want to say it was um, a Chicago um, I think it was the Chicago game where it was like a it was like a basket, a missed basket was the difference between them moving on and, and moving into a higher seed in, um, in in Chicago. But regardless of what, I think Maureen Johannes has to be the difference maker for this team. I know that you guys are big Liberty fans, and I know you're really big on Hanshu, um, especially you, Miles. You make sure to mention Hans all the time. But I think Marie, Marie for me is the is the role player that really can make the difference for this team. I'm right there with you. Um, last season, 43.7% from three. And these are not just standing in the corner all by yourself threes. These are fading left one leg, you know, sometimes one hand, just they are just thrown up there and then they swish right through and they're they're indefensible. And Marine, I, I know we don't like to make cross sport references too much, but we just finished watching the Super Bowl. And for me, watching Patrick Mahomes is like watching Marine Johannes play basketball. Um, just the the creativity and the precision and just her awareness of the court is unlike anybody else. So to have that awareness and then to pair it with just the the willingness to try things that you probably should not be doing on a field of play there aren't very many people like that. So yeah, Marine's a game breaker and the Liberty are lucky if they can get her back over here and imagine her just running a staggered screen. I think Owen talked about this the other night with, mm-hmm. with JJ and with Stewie, right? The two of them come up there and then Marine is, is on the, on the, uh, on the pick side receiving that. What are you going to do? Well, you don't know. Both of those players can pop out. Both those players can roll. Marine can just shoot it off of one leg, not even looking. Like, how do you defend that? What you do is you unlace your sneakers and you hit the showers and you say, I'll see you go home. Right. 
you go home. I mean, that's literally all you do. You can't do anything else. I love the Mahomes comparison too, because I think it's like the improvisation element too. It's like when you're watching Marine, anything could happen at every given moment. You 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 simply don't know. I wrote a piece a couple months back ranking her top 10 highlights of the 2022 season. And it's like, that was on this past iteration of the Liberty team. Imagine what she's going to do when she has some of the best players this league has ever seen surrounding her and opening up more space for her. It's going to be ludicrous. I cannot wait. Oh my goodness. All right. We're, we're transitioning nine down three to go here. We're, uh, we're going to go out to the Southwest and uh, talk about the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, I'm going to be concise with this one, which is very off brand for me. To me, the biggest X factor in the league right now is Skylar Diggins Smith. Once she's back on the court, do you think her future is in Phoenix or elsewhere? Ooh, oh man, I think this might be the one team where you stump me because I don't have a clue what to expect of this Mercury team other than I can't wait to see BG back on the court because I have like, a part of me feels like Skylar would remain in Phoenix. And the other part of me is when I see the cryptic messages on, on Instagram. And when I think about how the last part of the season ended. Um, but I also think about how literally Phoenix was only in the conversation because of the way that Skylar Diggins Smith played last year. Um, literally, she could have been in the MVP conversation if this had been a higher um, winning team. I A part of me feels like we've got to see her in a Mercury uniform one more time, right? Like a part of me feels that. Um, but there is an equal 50% of me that says Skylar is a Leo. Skylar ain't happy. Skylar about to bounce on y'all Phoenix like that like there's a huge so I am honestly completely stumped when it comes to her because I have no idea where she's leaning I could genuinely see her making a decision either way I'm right there with you um super excited to see wherever she ends up whether it's back in Phoenix and there was just a lot going on in that we can there's no concise way to talk about, or there's no real appropriate way to talk about just how difficult that locker room must have been last mm-hmm. season. But Skyler is top, I, top three would be the most, would be the lowest I could rank her in terms of guards in the WNBA. She is absolutely just a, an absurdly amazing talent. And hopefully they can they can work that out because a lot of that difficulty probably stemmed from just the emotional turmoil of of not having BG, their leader, their sister in that locker room. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, like you say, it could go either way. We also don't know how long it's going to take her body to bounce back when we talk about these athletes that are mothers at the same time as their professional basketball players there's only so much to an extent that this is inside of their control. Some of it is just, you have to give your body the appropriate amount of time to, to heal and to work back to game shape. Um, So yeah, I really don't know. As the only woman on this podcast right now, let me just say that I am in no way, shape, form, or fashion able to even walk up and down a flight of stairs and not want to rest for six months, let alone carry a child for nine months and be able to compete on the floor. So what these women do, all of them who have had children and come back and competed at the highest level, I like the amount of respect that I have for you guys and, and their, and their bodies is just like, it is completely and utterly insane. I, could not be me literally (laughs) super superheroes that's the only way to describe it like truly it's it's remarkable and and then as miles said you also have this emotional you know journey that every person on that team went through last year that was so taxing and so difficult and that i can't even comprehend so yeah i i i would love to see bg and and sky run it back one more time she i mean she 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 has a case for top one guards in the league she is just exceptional. So Phoenix is set. We got two teams left to go. This question is pretty straightforward for the Seattle Storm. 
how does this team keep Jewel Lloyd happy so that she re-ups once her contract comes due next offseason? <laughs> um, I think it's a little too late for that. <laughs> um, I think it's a little too late for that. Um, I don't think that there are any moves that this team can make in this offseason that would make Jewel say, hey, you know what? Let's stick around here for a little longer. No, there's no Brianna. There's no there's no Sue. Um, you are, I mean, like the good part is like, you know, she's the gold mamba. She is Jewel Lloyd. And so there's always hope when you have Jewel on your team. Um, and adding uh, I think Arilla Garantes just went to she just, you know, was added to the which I love this for her. Absolutely. Um don't know uh, what Mercedes Russell's, uh, what her production is going to be this year, but have to think that she's going to be healthy and be able to produce um, this year. Um, I, I, I like that they made the moves that they could make given the situation, but it doesn't matter what they do. It is not going to be enough for Jewel. I believe that Jewel is out of there next year in free agency. Um, and, Se and Seattle is most certainly going to have to go around the same route that the Minnesota Lynx fans are going to have to go on where you're going to have to come to terms and come to grips with this team is now in a rebuild in a rephasing stage. You guys got a beautiful stadium there. You're valued at $151 million now. Like there's a lot of promise and a lot of wonderful things that can be happening for, um, for Seattle. But yes, yeah, son, Jewel not staying. <laughs> He's out of there. I would say, though, that the teams that you're mentioning that are now have had success for a while and are now entering this new phase are so it's Seattle that has Jewel Lloyd, right? It's the Minnesota Lynx that has Nafisa Collier. It's the Chicago Sky who have Kalia Copper. And these are all franchise pieces to build around. But and I think that speaks more to the the depth of talent in the W that there are superstars, even on these teams that are on these rebuilding timelines. Mm -hmm. But again, like I said, before we talked about the Liberty, there are some franchises who have had it good for, for decades, Seattle. I think it might be time. It might be time to, to reset a little bit. Just let somebody else play a little bit. I mean, how, how, how many championships do you want Seattle? Like let someone else get one. Okay. Like, but no, in all seriousness, it's just, it happens, right? There's always this turn of, you know, turnover, so to speak, um, when it comes to teams that are on top. I mean, for a minute, um, I felt like Washington was a team that was on top for a good minute. And, you know, then they had their moments where Elena Deladon got hurt. And um, then, you know, it's just like, wow, what happened to Washington, right? And I know that we're going to talk about them next, but it's just, they had a moment and then that, move, that moment shifted. Um, same thing with Indiana, right? Like, Indiana was a championship team in 2012. Like, during the Tamika Ketchings era, you loved Indiana. Like, they were a team to beat and a team to watch. And then they have their moment where they're in their moment now of where there's been turnover. And you can start to see pieces come where maybe that turnover is going to start to progress the team a little bit more forward. And so it happens to the best of us, right? And this is just Seattle's time. We also focus on the teams that won the Stewie sweepstakes. We focus on the team that won the Vandersloot sweepstakes, right? Yeah. But the other teams that we've been talking about were in there. Minnesota was trying to get those players. Seattle yep. was trying to get those players. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. You can put together the best package possible, but it's hard to have a plan B when you are aiming for the top of the top. Mm -hmm. And also when the top of the top take a couple of days into free agency to sign, you're watching all the all your plan B or your plan C's end up elsewhere when you're allocating your time and your resources to trying to to woo them. So that's part of it too, I think, right? It it kind of set them back. Absolutely. And there's another piece that I'm missing in Seattle too that I think is really gonna um God is killing me. Um Nia Nur Nia, uh, Kia Nurse, right? Like she's in Seattle now as well. So it's not like it's completely dead. Um, and, and Sammy's back there too. And exactly. Right. So it's, it's, it's not at all. Like this team just had, is no, is no longer formidable or, you know, will no longer be in the conversation. No, absolutely not. I don't think there's anything that, you know, Seattle fans can go into this season and say, Oh, well, we're just going to stink up the joint. Absolutely not. But 
just what you are used to and have been accustomed to in terms of championship caliber, you may not get that exact replica this season. And none of those pieces, although good pieces to have in a rebuilding mode, I can't see Jewel saying I want to be in rebuilding mode. I, I think Jewel is ready to win and win again and, and fairly quickly. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from when I'm like, I don't think that she stays no matter what they do this season. Yeah, I I totally agree. Ezzy is another piece. She was generating mm-hmm. defensive player buzz. Another another player who might allow them to transition into the future that we're discussing here, where they're not a title contender immediately. But you know, they there's there's reason for for hope with some of the young young players uh, and excitement. I just love when Liberty fan Miles comes through. He's like, you let the other teams have a chance. Come on, <laughs> it's been twenty five years. Okay. Hey, you know, so true. So true. All right. Well, we've finally made it to the to the final team in the WNBA alphabet, the Washington Mystics. Uh, The Mystics had the best defense in the league last season. And then this offseason, as if it needed to get any better, they added one of the top defenders in the W, Brittany Sykes. So uh, another two parter here. Is this one of the best defenses the league has ever seen? And will it be enough for Washington to vault into the tier of title contenders? Yes and yes. Like, very simple for me. Yes and yes. Because I felt that Washington was a legit title contender last year. Like, I think that, that like, I, I went into the postseason last season saying that Seattle-Washington matchup is going to be critical to the outcome of this playoffs. Um, because they matched up really well and they took it to the wire with Seattle. Um, I love what this team has developed into. I mean, again, we were just talking about teams kind of falling off and coming back after their championship. They kind of, because of injuries, they kind of fell off a little bit where they were in the conversation, of course, but you never really took them serious as a title contender. But I think now you have to, right? You have to. Um, Brittany Sykes is one of the best top three defenders in the league to me. And you have added her. I think Natasha Cloud is one of the best defenders, definitely one of the best defenders at the guard position and does not ever, in my opinion, really get the credit that she deserves for being so good there. Um, so I can see them working in a tandem um, that that really is, gosh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I could see Washington being, if I'm given, if I'm given New York in Las Vegas one and two, I, gosh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know what? Washington could easily be four or five, and I think Connecticut's top four. So, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Connecticut, LA, yeah, I'm gonna say it. Washington, Washington's a top five team. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I, I I might take it. I might take it a step further. If if I could see a team beating Las Vegas or New York, I would take either Connecticut or Washington, and I think I would lean Washington. You, you, you think about Shakira Austin year two uh, already in year one. I mean, I could not be higher on Shakira Austin. She is on um, Elena Deladon another year where maybe she's getting back into form. I mean, that's a two time MVP. Ariel Atkins, one of the most underrated players in the in the W every year. This team is really good. Like mm-hmm. if, if New York or Vegas stumbles just a little bit, you know, if they're not fully healthy, whatever might happen over the course of a long, grueling season. I don't know. Don't sleep on the Mystics. I, I'm excited for the Mystics. I think New York and Vegas also are two teams that are put together to outscore you, right? To just be these offensive juggernauts. And yes, they have some players with defensive pedigree, but this is an entire team basically that you're looking at in Washington that has been put together to make you play their brand of basketball. So it's not just the run and gun up and down that we'll see from the the East-West super teams, but this is this is a real change of pace. And I'll I'll go out and say I didn't think that we would ever see EDD again in the way that we saw her last year. And that makes me so, first of all, so happy, but also so much more confident in what this team's ceiling can be with her getting through an entire season. And I know she was taking off some of the back-to-backs, but proving that she can do that 
um, and, and some of the traveling another year removed from that, where now she's on the court and she got through a season, she got through it healthy. And that just makes them so much more dangerous in my eyes. You talk about an X factor on Washington. You cannot forget about Maisha Hines Allen. I mean, she's one of the primary defenders on that team and she's so tough. Like when she's in the zone, she is so tough to get away from. She's pesky. And like you, you have to, you have to respect um, what Mike Tebow had brought to that team, and now what you know, new coach Tebow is is gonna continue to to to, to bridge with them. But you've got like adding Myisha Hines. Well, them being able to resign uh, Myisha Hines Allen was very big for their roster. Um, I like Washington a lot. They are dangerous. They are scary. Shakira Austin, to your point, Owen has literally guarded almost every like. Almost every all-star center in the WNBA, Shakira has had to put a body on it at some point last season and and held her own against them. And so um, I'm I'm high on Washington. I am high on Washington for sure. I, I love that. I'm so glad you mentioned Maisha because people forget she was all W in the bubble like and and completely deserved. Uh, I mean, an awesome player. She's coming off the bench for this team. And then as you said about Shakira, guarding the best centers in the league. Also, when I talked to her last season, you know, she trains to guard guards. She's a center. She's like, I want to guard guards. I want to guard everyone. Yep. That's the type of player I want on my team. So I, yeah, I'm I'm so excited for Washington. I know she was on Team USA, but I would love to see her in that three-on-three shift from the from the five on five team over to that three on three just because yeah i want to see you in space locking everybody up because we know you could do it no that's right i'm here for it totally well tarika you're the best we thank you so much a little before we sign off here just a little behind the scenes so first off the prep that we gave you was literally 12 teams 12 questions nothing further that's it so nothing so just you know consummate professional and then my wi-fi kicks out midway through stream so we got to piece this together throughout a whole day you're interviewing you know superstars just casually um so thank you so much this is this has been awesome listen i i i know a little bit of something about having the craziest thing happen to you when you're recording, okay? I may or may not have hung up by mistake on Vin Scully. Oh, no. And no. <laughs> so for, for, for all of you listening who don't know who Vin Scully is, the late, great Vin Scully, he had been the voice of the LA Dodgers for years. Like, baseball, like, God for years when it comes to announcing and just overall knowledge and media loved in Scully. I was producing a baseball tonight podcast and my colleague Josh Macri was like, Hey, I need to leave a little early today. I need you to handle this interview with me um, for Ben and Buster only at ESPN. And I said, all right, cool. I got it. I got you. I can do this. And the moment I picked up the phone and I heard Vin Scully's voice, I freaked out because I'm a baseball fan. And I was like, oh, my God, this is Vin Scully on the phone. And he starts talking and then Buster starts talking. So Buster starts asking him questions and I'm sitting here listening to him answer the questions. And then maybe about five minutes in. Do I realize, first off, I've never even pushed the record button. So I got none of this conversation that they just had. And as I'm telling Buster, hey, Buster, hold on a second. Um, we might need to record this whole thing over because I didn't push the record button. Buster says, you know, all right, no worries. Let's like, what part did you miss when you were recording? I said the whole thing. He said, wow, okay. Then are you able to stay a little longer to record? And Vin doesn't answer. Oh, no. And he says, Vin, hello, are you there? And I look down and I push, oh, crap. <laughs> I may have also just accidentally hung up on Vin. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That is amazing. So I, I, to make a long story short, I had to call Vin back. I had to then restart the interview and I never recorded another episode of BBTN ever again for the <laughs> remainder of time at ESPN. So if it makes you feel any better, Owen, your, you, I mean, 
you had a good day, believe it or not. It, it does. If the best of the best can have that happen to them, I, I, I do feel better. And you might be the only person in the world that can say that they've hung up on Vin Scully. I have to be, I have, there has to be an award for this. Like there has to be an award for, for dumb things that you do as a producer. And that absolutely is top of the list. Vin Scully was the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. And we, we just made it through our second podcast. So we're right there with him. I think we're, we've got about 67 (laughs) more years to go, but we're right there. Oh man. That's hilarious. You guys are great. But T, T, we just wanted to say thank you. I mean, obviously we talk to you every day, but just for sharing your your insight and your personality and your takes and everything, you did not shy away from anything at all. Uh, and this was just a lot of fun. I forgot, I forgot at times that we were recording a podcast, but I did not forget to press the record button. So we are good in that regard. And just want to say thank you for pulling up with us. And thank you to everyone for listening for pulling up as well. We'll be back soon.